Warning. This episode contains discussion of domestic abuse. Listener discretion is advised. If you're suffering from any form of domestic abuse, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. The hotline.org is also available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And this information can also be found in the show notes. This is Loudspeaker. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Menares, and you're listening to the We Podcast, where together we find inspiration, encouragement, and growth through stories and real talk. Here we navigate the messy human experience together. We raise our voices and speak our truth. In this space, we value the conversations that broaden our perspective and help us fully understand that we are connected, we are capable of growth, and that we are not alone. Are you ready? Let's get real. You're listening to episode number 107. In this episode, I get to talk with Rachel Snow. Rachel is a certified high conflict divorce and custody coach. She's located in Colorado and can work with clients anywhere. She lives in Westminster with her partner, Seth, daughter, and bonus daughter. Before she was a high conflict divorce coach, she was a massage therapist and birth doula. When Rachel isn't empowering her clients, she enjoys connecting in sisterhood, spending time with her family and pets, and traveling. We really dive into the topic of divorce, and Rachel gives her top divorce tips. We chat about the process of divorce, the dynamics that can play out, such as abuse in the partnership that leads to high conflict, and the family court system and some of the things that we feel are really broken there. Divorce is something that can often hold a lot of shame for people and so we talk about that a bit as well. I would really love to be able to normalize the conversation around divorce and really open up communication about it. So I really love this episode. I can't wait for you to hear. So here we go. I am really excited to have the amazing Rachel Snow here today to talk with me about divorce and high conflict divorce and all things divorce. I think it's a super important topic to dive into. Many, many, many people are going through divorce. I think that it's also uh, something that can maybe hold a lot of shame or stereotypes for people. People have a lot of opinions about divorce. Those going through it, I think it's harder for them to be able to talk about it openly, not feel like they have to hide anything. And so I'm really, really happy that you're here. I'm happy for the work that you do, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. So thank you, Rachel, so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm really excited to dive in today. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about what you do and kind of the backstory as much as you can, as far as what has brought you to where you are and what you're doing today. I am a certified high conflict divorce coach. 
So I work in high conflict divorces and custody cases. So I work one-on-one with clients to help them with strategy and building their toolbox and working on documentation and communication while they're either going through a high conflict divorce or a high conflict custody situation. So sometimes it's a post decree and there's a new motion filed to modify a parenting plan and their ex is extremely high conflict. So I'm part of the support team to help them get through it and empower them to find their voice and learn how to best deal with the family court system. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a support team needed for sure. Yes. It's, I actually just wrote a blog about the uh, the team that you need to have when you start going through a high conflict divorce. So it's not just hire your attorney or just a divorce coach. You really want to have a whole team to help support you to get through it. There's a lot of players in the family court system and there's a lot of family court professionals. So it's important to have a good team there. And you did ask how I got here. So I was a massage therapist and birth doula before I was a high conflict divorce coach. And when COVID shut everything down, that really gave me some room to pause and really explore if I wanted to continue doing what I was doing. I always loved supporting women, empowering women, being there for them. Birth work is amazing. There's nothing like birth work. There's nothing like watching someone bring a new life into this world. And when COVID shut everything down, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't see massage clients. I couldn't go to births. So I kind of reevaluated what I wanted to be when I grew up. And this opportunity to become a certified high conflict divorce coach came about from One Mom's Battle. And the founder of One Mom's Battle is Tina Swithin. And she's wanted for years to create a program where she could essentially clone herself. So she is a high conflict divorce coach in San Luis Obispo in California. So she created this incredible program with incredible instructors. And I applied to the program thinking I probably wouldn't get in. And I got one of 26 slots and there was over a thousand applicants. Wow. So when I got the confirmation that I was accepted, I knew that that's where I was going and that's what I was going to do. So full steam ahead. I love it. I've never loved any work as much as I love this work. That's amazing. It's, I think, encouraging to know that there's so many people out there who want to help people through this. So many people who are applying to be a part of that program. I think that it's really, really necessary to have that support and good that it's becoming more normalized to have that support. I agree. I think it's it's a very untapped resource and most people don't quite understand what I do. So there's a common misconception that I work with both parties, with the divorcing party as somewhat of a mediator or a counselor, and I don't. It's out of my wheelhouse. I'm not a therapist. I'm not an attorney. I cannot offer legal advice. I don't offer mental health services. So it's out of my wheelhouse. I I don't go there. 
So to explain that I'm the support to, it's typically the woman. I've, I've only had women clients. I haven't had any men contact me. Not to say that there aren't men and women who can be high conflict and, ex, excuse me, they can show those qualities of a high conflict individual or a cluster B personality disorder. So usually it's the woman that contacts me and her ex is a man and it's high conflict. So I know I, I told you a little bit before we started recording about my history as a counselor and I was a CFI, which for those of you who are listening who don't know what that is, it's a child family investigator. So my job was to go in in high conflict divorce situations and investigate both sides and then give recommendations to the court based on what I thought was in the best interest of the children. And so I did that for a few years and really got to know the court system, the issues with the court system, which I'm sure we'll dive into because I know you have issues with the court system as well. (laughs) Yeah. I also did court ordered uh, co-parenting coaching and worked with families on how to better co-parent together. A lot of that work, and I can tell you it was really hard. It was really, really, really hard work. So to hear you say that you absolutely love it, I'm like, wow, (laughs) I guess I didn't love it. So that's really good that you love it. I love it for quite a few reasons. I am working one-on-one with one client and I don't, as a CFI, I know that a CFI has to work with both parties and often interview the children. And that would be stressful. I wouldn't want to do that job. Yeah. I get to work one-on-one with somebody. I work really well one-on-one with somebody and I'm that neutral third party. So I'm not emotionally invested. So I can see things with a clear set of eyes and be able to see some of the flaws in potentially what the ex is doing or communication styles or how to better help my clients to communicate with their exes and to communicate with the family court professionals. Sometimes I just feel like a PI or something. I get to really pick apart things. And it's very much investigative work to me. I just really love it. And I love being able to help my clients. And at the end of a call, they feel so much better. And to see the progress they make in the work that we do and to hear the change in their voice and to feel the shift in their person that Mm -hmm. they don't feel so scared and terrified. And they don't feel that nobody believes them or they don't feel that they're alone. Mm -hmm. So to be able to be that for somebody going through divorce is so rewarding. Yeah. The thing that I really see with divorce or that I saw in my work is people are very, very, very high levels of emotion. And there's a lot of emotion going on. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of fear And to have someone, I'm sure, to be able to ground you and say, okay, let's look at this from a logical perspective. Let let me help bring you back into a bit more logic. I can see how helpful that would be. Yes. I I mean, 
of course it's high emotions. It's hurt. It's fear. There's a lot of emotions that go on. And I really want to help my clients to, of course, ground themselves and to realize that moving forward, this divorce or this custody battle has to be treated like a business transaction. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at it like this is a business transaction. I have to take emotion out of this. And that way they can detach emotionally from their ex enough to look at it as a business and be able to maintain their cool and be very calm and collected to get through the process and also to present well when they have to go to court and be in front of a judge. There's not many people out there that are old pros at going in front of a judge and feel comfortable. So the majority of people that do have to go in front of a judge feel very nervous and very scared and their voice will shake when they talk and their body shakes. There's tears, there's anxiety, there's panic attacks. So to be able to help my clients ground themselves so that they can present well in court and even with CFIs or therapists or a PRE, which if listeners don't know what that is, it's a parental responsibilities evaluator, which is a, another player in the family court system that can be hired to evaluate the parents' responsibilities and things like that, much like a CFI. It's like a CFI, but I think you have to be a licensed mental health professional to be a PRE. And so, yeah, so that's where I was moving into. And then I was like, nope, I'm done. Not going to do this anymore. (laughs) Because I think the thing is, it's very easy for a lot of people when they're very hurt by another person, I think to use the children as a way to try and hurt them back. And that's something that I really, I mean, that was the case in pretty much every single investigation I did was one, one person, you know, using the children as leverage, using the children, having no clear, real ability to see what is in their best interest, but I'm hurting. I, I'm angry. I, I need you to hurt too. Absolutely. That's, 100% what it is. And there's often people that don't believe that, but the high conflict person. So the person that's causing all the conflict and doesn't want to negotiate and doesn't really see what's in the best interest of the child is continuing to abuse the healthy parent through the child. And that's called abuse by proxy. Many people don't understand that there's an actual term for it, but that's what it is. The high conflict person, again, I've already said this, but there's often some cluster B personality disorder issues going on there because normal healthy people don't just be really high conflict for no reason. And they often don't actually care about the children. They care about power and control and hurting their ex. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that they can hurt their ex the most is with the children because the healthy parent loves their children more than anything in life. And I think the unhealthy parent 
loves their children probably to the best of their ability, but to the best of their ability. Yeah. Well, a lot of times that gets clouded when we're in pain, right? I, I mean, there may be personality stuff that's possible. And I think pain can make us look like we have personality stuff too and change behavior in some ways that maybe wouldn't be there before. Like if you find out your partner has been having an affair for the last 10 years that you had no idea about, that can throw you into a place where maybe you look borderline or you know what I mean? Because that's a huge devastating trauma that I think can really make people go out of that place of logic and just 100% be led by emotion. Yeah, I think that's common too. And it's not uncommon for somebody that's been hurt in that kind of way with cheating, just be so hurt and so confused. And so unless they have already started seeing a qualified mental health professional, they're going to be stuck in that hurt and that cycle. And then of course, there's the other end of the spectrum when there's been abuse the whole marriage. And so the abuse is going to continue after the marriage. And if they can't continue to abuse them physically or emotionally or spiritually or sexually, they're going to continue to abuse them through the child, through abuse by proxy. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like that's more the cases that you see just based on kind of what I hear from you as themes. Maybe. Yes. Those are the cases I see. I don't see a lot of, we just don't get along or it's not amicable. There's been abuse in the marriage, in the relationship. If they weren't married and they were just in a relationship, there was abuse, not always physical. I think there's still such a stigma with abuse is only physical. And I think that there's still so much to be learned that domestic abuse is more than physical. Mm-hmm. It's very mental and emotional and spiritual, financial. So oftentimes once they can get out of the abusive relationship, it moves into an abusive divorce and abusive custody. And it just continues until the child or the children are 18 or 19. Yeah. It's interesting because I didn't see a lot of that. I saw a lot of cases where that were maybe the opposite of that, where, you know, maybe I think I, I saw more cases where it was the women who were trying to alienate the father. And I, I would say probably 80% of my cases were women who were hurt. They were upset about something he did and they were unable to separate like this is you and I's issue and not this includes the children. Do you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. A lot more parent alienation type cases, I feel like were more of a theme of of what I saw. I definitely the abuse cases were there, but I would say those were 20 percent maybe of what I saw. Well, and often with what is termed alienation, I mean, the term parental alienation syndrome is a bogus junk science claim anyway. So again, that's abuse by proxy. 
is the healthy parent is often pegged as the unhealthy parent because they're trying to protect the children and the abuser looks like the victim and ends up getting the children. But that's the abuser that's actually abusing the children. That's part of the broken family court system is the family court system as a whole isn't believing mothers or fathers. They actually believe more fathers than mothers when there's accusations of abuse. Mm -hmm. More often than not, if a mother says there's been abuse, this is what's been happening. They don't believe the mother. But if a father says it, they believe the father. And it's, it's just been very typical that it's the father that's the abuser. And who loses in that situation? The children. So the whole, the whole work is keeping children safe. And the children are the ones that are losing. It's just a very interesting situation. And it's just very heartbreaking because there's so much misunderstanding around what abuse looks like and things like alienation. Yeah. I mean, and I I completely get that. I I also think that in high conflict divorce cases, it's much more common for people to say that there there was abuse when maybe that abuse was a dynamic between them and their relationship. However, it maybe is I'm trying to think of how to say this because I don't I don't like saying that I don't like the feeling of saying that you know all high conflict divorce situations are a man abusing the woman you know and I don't want to say that either I'm just saying that's very common Mm -hmm. with the statistics even is and of course I don't have statistics in front of me right now but I didn't come prepared with my stats I'm sorry no no no. but just the statistics and of course through my own work and experience is that it is very common that Mm -hmm. it's it's typically the man abusing the woman the man abusing the children but that's not to say that there are not plenty of women out there that are abusive and are really high conflict and are the ones that are toxic and that the father is the one that is the healthy safe parent Mm -hmm. so it's not equitable i'm only speaking from my experience with my clients I do have a friend who I've known forever, who's a man who went through a somewhat similar high conflict situation and his ex wasn't abusive. The children are the ones that lose. And Mm -hmm. that, that was just sad. And I supported him as much as I possibly could through that. So Mm -hmm. of course I've experienced that. It's just the, the majority of my experience is, but it's not gender-based. I mean, mm-hmm. abuse is abuse and mental illness is mental illness. And that's how it shows up. But what you were saying about the couple, there's definitely relationships where they're both abusive and they have spent their whole relationship abusing each other. And then one of them may try to play the victim card in the end. Mm-hmm. And again, the children are the ones that lose if there's children. So those are, those are hard. And I haven't run into that 
personally, I try to be really objective and use discernment when I'm working with clients, but I haven't experienced any of my clients to be part of the problem. I want to bring us around to essentially helping the parents so that the best interest of the children is really the primary focus. When I was 10, my parents went through an ugly, nasty, terrible divorce. And I was, I got to experience that, right? <laughs> you, you were a pawn in the game, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, yes, very much so. Yeah. And in my situation, my mom was hysteria, right? Like my yeah. mom was the very unhealthy one. My dad was unhealthy too, but m- definitely more grounded than she was. And so I, that's why I just want to make sure that we say to people that it can go both ways for sure. Totally. It can go um, both ways. And I think I remember my dad was told back then he wanted to go to through the court process to fight her for custody. And he was told it's a lost cause. Like men don't get custody. You the mom's going to get custody. And so you just need to give it up essentially. And I think things have changed a lot since then. I mean, that was, I don't want to say how many years ago. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't have to, you can, you could just say that was a while ago. (laughs) I think that dynamic has changed a lot where it used to be like the mother, right? Is the one who got the children. Right. And I don't want to focus on that either. It's not the mother gets the children. It's the child gets to be placed primarily with the healthy parent. Right. That's where the focus should be. However, I still think that often, as you experienced, the family court put the child's best interest in mind, which is why there's CFIs and PREs Mm -hmm. is because the couple divorcing can't come to an agreement. And so the attorneys and the court want to appoint a professional to come in and be that neutral third party to see where they can place the child that is Mm -hmm. safest. I don't I don't always think 50 50 is the best thing either. I think that's confusing for kiddos. Is that what you experienced, Sarah? Did you, did your parents do 50 50 or were you placed with just your mom? My mom, I, I only saw my dad every other weekend. Um, You, were you in the same state? Yeah. Yeah. Like 10 minutes away. That was the, the way things were done back then though. I mean, right. it was that just, was really they probably normal. had a script. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're like, okay, you will go on these weeks with mom and these weekends with dad. Yeah. It was like just the kind of known, right? You get divorced, you go with your dad every other weekend and that's just the way it is. And mm-hmm. I'm glad we've come a long way from there, but I do, yeah. it, we've come a long way from there and there's still a lot of issues. And obviously you see a lot of issues in the family court system. I saw a lot of issues in the family court system. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of based on who has the most money, who can pay the most, Yes. who can hire the best attorney. And that was so disheartening. I think that part yeah. is really what made me leave the profession. I understand that completely. And that's exactly what happens. It's, it's a numbers game. It's not what's really in the best interest of the children, it's a numbers game. So 
who can afford all of it? And there's no pro bono attorneys out there for people that can't afford attorneys because not everyone can afford a four to $5,000 retainer for an attorney plus whatever fees come after that. And then it's all lost in the system. And these poor children are the ones that are suffering. And of course their parents are suffering too with being tapped out or being in debt or whatever Mm -hmm. else comes with that, you know, and that's also part of the financial abuse with post-separation abuse is when, when they can't abuse them anymore because they're not together, they just keep taking them to court so that they can abuse them financially. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. And how is that good for anybody? This is how it's broken. Well, and I guess, you know, I can shift it and say, that's part of why I love what I do. And I'm doing my best to advocate for change and to participate in change of the legislative state. So I'm helping where I can do what I can to change laws so that we can have better educated family court professionals, better better educated attorneys and judges and CFIs, PREs, guardian ad litems, all of the players. We need to provide better education so that everyone knows what the signs of high conflict are or abuse and really be trained in how to look for those keys in cases so that they're not missing it and just saying, gosh, he or she was so charming. I'm just going to, you know, appoint that this person has custody and listen to children when they say they've been abused. Yeah, it's huge. So I think that's why I stick with it is I love it. I'm good at it. I feel like it's my calling and we need more voices to help change some systems with the family court profession. Yeah. Well, maybe this is why we met. I need to go help help on the legislative level. Yeah. And there's so much that you can do even when you're not in it anymore. If, mm-hmm. When you're not a CFI or a therapist or an attorney, but there's still so much you can do. There's still so many bills that need support and testimony. So mm-hmm. the bill that is passing currently, the HB 21-1228, that will provide more education for CPS and other court professionals, so CFIs, PREs, extended training for educational pieces for domestic violence. Mm. And this was started after, I believe it was after Ty Tassarowitz was murdered by his father when the judge ignored abuse and gave him one more night and his dad killed him. So more education. So we're working on it. Colorado's working on it. There's other states that are working on it. Good. That's good. So that's a way that we can be involved and make change. You're listening to a podcast on the Loudspeaker Network. 
To find other podcasts and unique programming, visit www.loudspeaker.fm. Loudspeaker, diverse voices, unique sound. Warning. This episode contains discussion of domestic abuse. Listener discretion is advised. If you're suffering from any form of domestic abuse, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. The hotline.org is also available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And this information can also be found in the show notes. Let's shift gears a little bit. What would you say to people who are in a divorce situation Maybe right now they're going through a divorce. Something you said earlier is that you think it's really important for them to have a support team. I would love to hear who should be on their support team. Can you give a little bit of maybe advice or thoughts to the people who are listening who are maybe in that situation? You want to have a team. You're going through a divorce. It's really hard. It's hard even if it's not high conflict. It is still exhausting Even if you're getting along, you're getting divorced for a reason. So it's still hard. So you're building your team to get you through the divorce. One of my colleagues calls it your wolf pack. So you want a kick-ass attorney that really understands what you're going through, especially if it is looking like a high conflict situation or you're coming out of an abusive marriage or relationship. You want to have an attorney that understands that. So a seasoned family law attorney is probably better than one that's shifting from criminal law, maybe. And a therapist, having a qualified therapist is also key, especially one that's trauma-informed. Again, one that can understand if there was abuse what you went through and how they can help you through it. And if there was abuse, you're most likely experiencing some PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder for any of the listeners that don't know what that is. And I've found that EMDR and brain spotting therapy are pretty good with that and highly recommended. So a little Google search on EMDR and brain spotting will give everybody a better idea and a divorce coach. I think those are the three key players to support you. I mean, your attorney gives you the legal advice, your attorney, you hire because they have the legal expertise. Your therapist handles the mental health. Your divorce coach gets to be the person you do some brainstorming with and you can vent to. And they can say, I totally understand. I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And they can help to strategize to get you through that. And the high conflict divorce coach can often have the resources for the attorneys that really get it, understand the abuse and some recommendations for therapists and even recommendations for CFIs if it comes to that and PREs, even substance abuse evaluators. Sometimes those have to get called in as well. So those are the three key team players to have 
what's super valuable about you too is that you help people navigate the process like hey here's what to expect next and yes. here here's what's coming i think that's it's such a big process and there's so many pieces that nobody explains yes. <laughs> right nobody explains nobody explains mm -hmm. yeah i think even i've told clients if you get a legal document and you don't know what it says, ask your attorney to tell you in layman's terms what it says. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that doesn't occur to people. They just get the document and look at it and go, I don't understand this. But I have to remind my clients, you hired your attorney to do a job for you. So if you don't understand it, have them explain it to you. But I even with documents, I'll have clients send me stuff if they want me to look over it um, or communication pieces or communication between them and their ex or anything just to see, you know, sometimes they're like, am I doing okay? Did I say this right? How could I have done this better? Should I reword this? Or what is this nonsense I just got and decoding an email mm -hmm. or a message from the ex? So that's helpful too, because your attorney is not going to do that. Your therapist isn't going to do that but your divorce coach will do that. Right. That's really huge because it is, it's a very confusing process, especially when you're an emotion in an emotional place too. I yes. think it's harder to, yeah, again, be able to come at it from a logical place. And so I, yes. I tell my clients a lot, even in amicable divorces, they need an attorney yes. because even if it's somewhat amicable, you're still in a place of, you know, a different state of mind than yes. you would be a year from now after it's over. Because I see all the time people agreeing to things when they're going through a divorce that they would never normally agree to. Right. And later go, oh my God. And then they can't change it because it's written in the court order. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they're making decisions. Obviously, as a therapist, we always say, don't ever, ever, ever make big decisions when you're in an emotional place. Right. But <laughs> this is an emotional place. So you, even if it is amicable to have somebody who is completely neutral. So a yes. coach even, or, you know, an attorney, somebody to help you make the decisions from a place that you're not going to regret a year down the road. Yes. I can even help them to create a parenting plan and look at best case scenario, worst case scenario, all of those factors. I can help them look through and pick apart the proposal, you know, the settlement offer and even mediation. Mediation can be weird mm -hmm. and confusing if you've never done it. So I can help them set up their mediation checklist and really give them tasks to break it down, which most people find really helpful when they're given a task and they can chunk all of it down into something that's workable instead of you're getting a divorce. Here's all the things. Have fun. So I help them make it manageable. Awesome. So what would you say? I know you said the three people, <clears throat> the attorney, the therapist, and the coach. What if somebody doesn't have a lot of money to, you know, pay those three providers 
in their situation? Do you have thoughts for them or best ways to go about that? Or do you prioritize? I mean, because <laughs> I know divorces are super, super expensive. Yeah. Too, especially high conflict. Oh, yeah. It could go on forever. You could be hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to an attorney. Yeah. And that's just the attorney, not to mention the PRE or a CFI, all the other players. So if somebody has insurance and insurance covers mental health, even if there's a slight copay, I would suggest that if they find themselves to be more on the low income, if they're eligible for Medicaid, there's many, many mental health providers that are excellent that accept Medicaid. And often people can represent themselves pro se. And that can be more cost effective, of course, but they will need to do a lot more work on their own to prepare. So if you're pro se, that means you don't have an attorney, you're representing yourself. And there's definitely been a few people that I know personally that have represented themselves and nailed it, done a better job than the crappy attorneys they had. So just because you hire an attorney doesn't mean they're going to do a good job. But if you have to go at it pro se, you have to access all the resources to do that. So lots of research online, figuring out what the statutes are is really important too. And sometimes that's like reading Greek. It just doesn't make sense. Sometimes you can hire a paralegal to help with some of the things, filling out paperwork, things like that. Or you can hire an attorney to be there just for advice, but they don't represent you. So it's a smaller fee. I don't know what the term is for that. I know there's a specific term. So you hire an attorney that you get legal advice from, but they don't represent you. So there's a few ways to go about it to, yeah, because it's not to say that it all doesn't add up, but from my experience and experience from my colleagues, having the high conflict divorce coach saves in attorney's fees. Yeah. And there's also the self-help kind of center within the court building, right? Like they have, like I a, believe so. Yeah. And it depends probably on the county and what the county court system looks like. And I, of course, have told people, if you don't understand or you can't find it, call the clerk. Call the court clerk and ask them where to direct you. And they can. And those, I guess that's another piece is I could help clients fill out those forms correctly. Mm -hmm or read through them with them so that they understood what they were looking at. Because even a blank form from the court looks like Greek. If you are not familiar with it, you don't understand necessarily what everything means. So even having someone else as that neutral third party to go through the form and help you fill it out so you're filing the proper form is nice. Again, not legal advice, just... Let's yeah. just make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and sounds professional. Yeah, I think that's just, it's huge to be able to have someone probably walk through the process that really knows and understands the process 
knows and understands the emotion that people are experiencing, I, you know, all of that. So I, I love that you, your service is available to people. <laughs> Thanks. I, I love what I do. So I think it makes it that much more fun and easy for me to continue to do the work. It's, mm -hmm. it's a good service that I get to provide and yeah. I feel very useful. So that's nice. <laughs> Do you have any tips, maybe your top, top two or three tips for people going through a divorce to keep it out of high conflict? Maybe how to be more amicable in the process so it doesn't go to a high stress higher stress place? Sure. I think how you're communicating with your ex is hugely important to try to take yourself out of the emotional state and look at any communication, whether it's text or email or one of the talking parents or our family wizard communication apps. You keep that really civil. You keep it only about the children you don't get hooked into their accusations or the fight that they're trying to engage you in. I guess a good thing to help with that is not to say that they're all narcissists, but the book Decoding the Narc Decoder by Tina Swithin is hugely helpful because often you get these weird emails and it's just like this word salad. And so that book can really help people to see what's important in the correspondence with their ex. So that's, that's one of my first tips. Number two would be keep your side of the street clean, just squeaky clean. Don't do anything that the court could potentially frown on you about and show the court that you're trying to be the best co-parent that there is and that your focus really truly is on what is best for the children if there's children involved. Usually it gets more high conflict when there's children. So keep your side of the street squeaky clean. I think the third piece of advice would be always take the high road. It's hard. It's not fun. Always take the high road. It feels better in the long run. It's a good example to your children. It keeps your side of the street clean. It shows that you're trying to do what's best for the children. So always keeping in mind, if there's children involved, what is the best thing for them? So I think those would be my, my top three. There's a lot more, but those could be the top three of, oh crap, I'm getting divorced and it's escalating. What do I do? Yeah, those are good. I've never heard, is it the NARC Decoder? Yeah, it's called the NARC Decoder by Tina Swithin. Her last name is S-W-I-T-H-I-N. She's written a few books and her books are great. They're, they're pretty short. So as far as mm -hmm. a long book, it's not that long. So they're easy to get through. And they've helped many people through this crazy high conflict divorce world. I have a client that read that book twice. She read it and then started it over. So, wow. I am yeah. going to have to look into that. Yeah. I haven't heard about it. Yeah. Have it comes you? in handy just to decode those emails. Yeah, I bet. Have you ever heard of the book conscious uncoupling? I have heard of it and I haven't read it. Have you read it? I haven't read it, but I have had some clients read it in the process of their 
divorce. But I think it became popular because I think Gwyneth Paltrow mentioned it when she was going through her divorce that they were using that book because people were asking them, like, how are you doing this so peacefully? Yeah. Please share. (laughs) Please share your. Yeah. (laughs) It's conscious uncoupling five steps to living happy even after. So how to break up in a whole new way. It's by Catherine Woodard Thomas. I've heard of it. So it it sounds like it could even be something that's useful if even one person is reading it so that they can better manage themselves through the process. Totally. Yes. There's so many good books out there. There is not enough time for all the books and podcasts. (laughs) That's all. That's true. But it's good. It is good to seek information and good to seek. Yes. You know, different awareness and in whatever it is we're going through. But there's so much out there. There's podcasts and books and articles and blogs and Facebook pages and Facebook groups and Instagram pages that offer support and tidbits of information on how to handle this and get through it and maybe even try to get through it and handle it with a little bit of grace and ease. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to transition into asking you my questions. The first one is, is what what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? The most vital to my growth in general, like as a human? Yeah. Yeah. My My child, my child has been the most vital piece in my growth. Mm. She's my biggest teacher. That's for sure. And my biggest joy. Mm, I love that. I always say my kids are my biggest teachers. Oh, she all day long, every day. I learn something new by being her mom. And I know she picked me for a reason. So that's that's it. I think that ties back into what we're talking about too, because I think in divorce situations, in any situation, but especially a divorce situation that is really difficult on the children to stop and listen and learn from them in that situation Yes, as well and how important that is. Yes, it is. The children have voices too and they should be heard too. They shouldn't just be ignored and we don't live in the time of children are to be seen and not heard. That needs to shift and... The focus does need to be on the children. Totally. All right. Walking away from this podcast, what do you want to make sure that people know? You're going through a divorce, whether it's high conflict or not, or a custody case, whether it's high conflict or not, that you're not alone. There's a lot of people out there that are ready and willing to support you and that understand exactly what you're going through. And you can find them and you can have that support through this battle and beyond. I love that. Yeah, it's not shameful, right? It's not something you have to carry or go through alone. No, and I I think you're right in the beginning that there is still so much shame. And I think there's a lot of shame when there's been abuse because they feel that they should have known better. I should have seen it coming and that's hard. It's hard to get through. It's hard to stop beating yourself up about that. 
And it's okay to say me too, because Mm -hmm. when you say me too, there's a bunch of other people that are going to say, me too. Let's support each other through this. Totally. And thank God you said something. Yes. (laughs) I'm so glad you said something because I didn't want to say something, but you said something. So you saying something made it okay. Totally. Yes. Rachel, how can people find you? I will put links in the show notes, but where do you hang out the most? Where is the best place for people to go to get in touch with you? I have a website. And my website is luminarydivorcecoaching.com. And that's also all of my social media. So on Facebook and Instagram, it's Luminary Divorce Coaching. I have a Pinterest that's Luminary Divorce Coaching. LinkedIn, Luminary Divorce Coaching or Rachel Snow. I'm pretty easy to find. (laughs) Well, good, good. Thank you again for the work you're doing. Thank you for providing people with the support and the guidance and the advocacy that you do through a really hard, hard transition in in most people's lives. So thank you. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. This is wonderful. Thank you for listening to the WE podcast. What an informative conversation. If you're going through a divorce, please know that you don't have to do it alone. Create your support network and give yourself a whole lot of extension of extra grace in this season. As always, I'd love to hear about your thoughts, takeaways, or favorite moments from the episode. So post this episode on your social media with your biggest ahas and make sure to tag me so that I can see it and interact. Also, make sure you're following me on my Sarah Moneris page and at the We Spot as well so we can stay connected. This show is produced by Loudspeaker Networks. Also, credit to my talented daughter for creating my show music. You can find more of the WE podcast as well as many other awesome things on the network at loudspeaker.fm. If you heard something that touched you or helped you, please don't forget to share with your friends. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, show up for the hard conversations, choose growth, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time. This has been a production of Loudspeaker Networks. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.fm.